Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, I'll, I'll tweet them later. Okay. Uh, what a great way to start. Uh, everybody, it's uh, the Fear of the Fin cast, I guess. The managing editor of FearTheFin.com with uh, Marcus White, the staff writer at Fear the Fin. We were just uh, we were going to tell... Uh, uh, Poppy Lebetard uh, about his spark plug being waved from. Uh, uh, so if uh, if you haven't heard, I hate to be the one to break the news to you that uh, you know, Long Beach native has in fact been waved from Where's the San from? Jose Sharks. He hails from Long Beach, California. It's uh, the beach. It's near Huntington Beach. Yep, Newport Beach. Um, Long Beach, California. I've been there many times. Uh, there's a there's a Cal State Long Beach. Yeah, there's a university. Go Forty Niners. Yeah, Go Forty Niners. Troy Tulowitzki went there. Jared Weaver went there. The uh, wow. baseball team called the Bags. Bags. Don't call it that. Uh, did you know that Jared Weaver and Troy Tulowitzki were roommates at Cal State Long Beach? <laughs> did that team? Would, did that they team? Were, they were not roommates. The College World Series or like none? They did. When they call it World Series, yeah, that's you have uh, those. Matt Nieto was not a roommate with Troy Tulowitzki, but uh, that's just because Matt Nieto got his own place, yeah, and also didn't go to college there. He went to Boston University. Yeah, go Terriers. Yeah, uh, I don't have any local Long Beach beers in here, but if I did, I'd be pouring one out for Matt Nieto right now. Yeah, you, it's a uh, you gotta. Really been a tough situation for him. Uh, I, you know, you got the feeling when the Sharks signed him to the one-year deal this off-season that um, they weren't super high on him. Uh, if they were, and you know, he's bounced in and out of the lineup since uh, Pete DeBoer's been here, and this year he's really struggled. Oh, to, yeah, he's struggled to keep a, a lineup place down. Um, it was really only like his second stint, I think in the minor league he played there briefly uh in his first year so yeah very uh very interesting to see um what's going to happen to matt nieto his contract's small enough where you know you wonder is he going to get claimed uh he has not played in a while but he's young enough and it's a small enough deal and he's a he's a good enough possession player that you know i i think uh I think that he would, you know, I th- I think a team, especially now that a team doesn't have to give up a draft pick for him, I think they're they'd be willing to take a chance on him. Uh, I and this is all speculation, but you know, I, I wonder if a team like Edmonton, you know, if they have some cap space, if they'd want to, uh, if they'd be willing to to claim Matt Nieto on waivers. He plays a speed game, plays a possession game. McClellan seems to have seems to trust him because you know Nieto made the team his first year when McClellan was head coach and uh, and that's uh, and that you know that's that hasn't really uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say that didn't really happen a lot with Todd McClellan I mean really the only rookies that you know came in and then played big roles were Hurdle 
and uh, Hurdle and him. Uh, you know, Matt Irwin was in and out of the lineup. He did play Mueller, but he never really seemed to trust him. Um, so I, I wonder if Edmonton could be a fit. I'm trying to look and see like which teams have a uh, have caps. Who's got the most cap space right now? Uh, you know, Carolinas are at 23 players. Maybe they claim him and waive someone. Uh, Ottawa. Looks I would like they- be shocked to see a team like uh, Toronto take him either, just because they have the space and could. Uh, yeah. And as a team that that has, they have a fourth line uh, with a couple guys that are are guard of their future um they have guys in the marlies that are certainly better than yeto that are part of their future that they don't seem to want to call up right now yeah i could see them trying to give nieto a shot and maybe seeing if they can flip him for draft picks or you know toronto's the kind of organization right now that is really interested on trying to get their hands on as many interesting guys as possible and seeing what yes. they can turn into assets later yes. so i was i was gonna say that out toronto, okay uh, as well i think they i think he'd be a good fit there um I mean, he that'd be a. Fun. I think that'd be a good place for him to go, just as a you know future for his career. If he could go and get some playing time under Mike Babcock or even it with the Marlies, that would be good for him as just just his future as an NHL player. Yeah, I, Toronto would be a. I mean, like you said, Mike Babcock. There's few guys maybe you'd want to learn from more. Um, you know, that being said, if you're a guy like Frank Corrado and you're and you're you're not in the lineup for Mike Babcock, you're not going to be in the lineup. Um, they do seem like they're kind of amassing all of these, uh, like you said, interesting players. Um, team that has more cap space than I expected. Uh, and, you know, he wouldn't really fill where they have an injury. Uh, maybe Nashville. I think he he fits in that uh, that Peter Laviolette kind of style. I think he's the he's the kind of bottom six player. Um, they, uh, they um, you know, that I, I think they could – he fits. He fits in with that roster. He fits in with that style. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, whether these teams think he's going to be worth it at that price. I, you know, I, I tend to believe he's. It's hard to find guys his age, and with you know what he's done, and you know, pretty much scoring twenty points a year in the NHL. You know, under twenty to thirty points in the NHL. Very strong possession player for under a million bucks. Uh, I, I think a team is going to take a chance on that. But I wouldn't be shocked uh, if nobody does either. You know, the team like this, great possession numbers, not a great scorer. Uh, you know what kind of team really likes players like that? You know what coach really likes players like that? Plays in the Pacific Division. Uh, I'll give you one guess. Uh, Daryl Sutter? Uh-huh. Yeah, Daryl Sutter. Wouldn't put it past him either. That would, I mean... Look, I that think would that, hurt too. Uh, that one would hurt more than anybody else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I you know they already have Setaguchi and Matt Nieto. Yeah, that that would be too much. That 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 would do it. But that's over. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting one. Um, you know, you're looking at their bottom six last night. Uh, exactly. You know, really, they've got. Some, they could, yeah, they could stand to mix some stuff up in the bottom six. Yes, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think you know, I think they're still, they're still really looking for uh, that mix. That being said, you know, they got Toffoli on LTIR, and once he comes off, um, they're going to have a well, lot. Sure, less they don't happen. have to be married to Nieto. They because they could still put him on waivers after. It's a free tryout. Yeah, and I, I think, I think they'd be intrigued by. I mean, I. I, th- I think he's a player who'd fit. Look, I think he's a player who, uh, 
you know, you and I have both talked about it. We, we think he's a good player. We don't think he's, uh, exactly gotten, uh, you know, I think he's gotten a shake, but I wouldn't say it's a extremely fair shake. I don't think he's really been, he seems, and this is anecdotally, of course, he seems like of all the players that have kind of been in and out of the lineup, depending on results, he's the one who's the quickest to lose his spot when the sharks lose. Um, Mm. And, you know, I think he's had some, I think he's had some really good games. Uh, I think he's, he's made some plays too. I mean that, you know, that stretch pass he had to Chris Tierney in the, uh, the New York Islanders game, not a lot of guys in the, in, in your bottom six can do that. And, you know, you, of course you and I are of the belief that you want to have as many good players as possible on your roster. And uh, we, I, I think he's a good player. Um, I think he, he fits in today's NHL. Yes. He's undersized. Yes. He's not that physical, but, you know, there's, I mean, look at a team like Columbus. They don't, their bottom six isn't guys that are, you know, physical and are the traditional bottom six. They've got Sam Gagne playing on a fourth line. And I read this great article about their usage of him. He's playing on the fourth line, but he's getting top power play minutes because they realize, you know what, he's got limitations. But at the end of the day, he's a player we want on our roster. And, uh, you know, if, if John Tortorella can recognize that and a lot of other coaches in the league don't, uh, it, it makes it makes me wonder how much of a interest there's going to be in Matt Nieto here. Yep, absolutely. Um, something else worth noting is that you know while Nieto obviously has no goals this year, he's only got two assists. Uh, he's sh- taken more shots on goal this year than he has in years past. I think he's doubled his uh, shots on goal per game this year, or two per game, and he was uh, you know more like one and a half per game a year ago. So, you know, it's worth noting, you know, he was like a 7% shooter, you know, for his career, I think seven and a half percent. And he's at, you know, 0% obviously yeah. this year. Um, it's worth noting that he's probably just been really unlucky. Yeah. In fairness, most of the team has been pretty unlucky this year. And this to me, it's frustrating because I feel like the Sharks should be a smarter team than this because in a lot of ways they are. And it, it's, I think that Nieto is probably very close to being passed by someone like Egan or Haluka or Goldobin, somebody, yes. you know, we're close to that, especially with hurdle coming back soon. Yeah. But he has not been passed by Tommy Wingles or certainly not by Michael Haley. And I think that's frustrating because I think right now the Sharks are a better team with Matt Nieto on it. Now, is that going to be true in, you know, a month when Tom, Tomas hurdle comes back? You know, maybe not, but I feel like right now, especially with the Sharks as banged up as they are, it's frustrating to see the Sharks that could potentially make a division rival better. Um, we're kind of sending a, a, a negative message, I feel like, to both the fan base and to the rest of the, the organization. And, you know, and I, I acknowledge that that stuff doesn't necessarily matter as much as I think it does. But, you know, I think that's kind of kind of a bummer because I felt like they said all the right things during the summer after losing to Pittsburgh about, you know, becoming a faster team, a more skilled team. Yeah. I don't really feel like we've seen anything of that uh, in action during the season. We saw that during the off season when they got Bodker and Schlemko, but as far as any, I don't think Pete DeBoer has actually learned anything from that Stanley Cup final loss, or at least nothing that I've seen in his actions that believe that. Yeah, and I, I think some. I think that's a fair. That's fair. Um, and I think with Nieto specifically, um, you know, they talked about the speed, but I think 
Um, you know, part of it too is that, you know, they haven't, and I think where you're, where, where DeBoer can truly be judged on if he's learned is, you know, if they're matched up against a Nashville in the playoffs, if they're matched up against a, a fast team like that, um, maybe Nashville's a bad example, but, you know, if they get matched up with a very fast team like that, um, how can, how has he then, because, you know, in the regular season, I think it's, it's tough to, because, you know, they played Pittsburgh twice. They didn't really play well in, you know, the second game, did not play well in the third period of that game. But, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's a two-game sample as opposed to, you know, the six they played. Um, and, you know, I think they've dealt well with some fast teams. They haven't dealt well with others. Um, but I, I agree with that. It, it definitely seems to fly in the face of the, of the you know, playing with speed kind of, um, and as does scratching uh, David Schlemko at, at times when he was a healthy scratch, and as does, um, you know, benching Mikel Bodker. I think it, it flies in the face of that. But, you know, the Kings ex- aren't exactly a, uh, you know, they're not going to be confused with a fast team by any means. And I think the point you made about Nieto's lack of luck is interesting because um, if he was scoring at the rate of, say, Tommy Wingles was earlier in the season, I don't think he gets waived. Right. I think you're probably right. And I think I want to make one point is that I think that that we, because the Sharks beat the Kings so quickly, um, we've made the mistake that the Sharks beat the Kings because they're a heavy team and that I don't think that's true. Um, I think, think, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's completely untrue. The Sharks beat the the Kings because the Sharks, yeah, the opposite is true. The Sharks skated circles around the Kings because the Kings are slow. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Sharks are a heavier team than the Penguins, but they're also a much faster team than the Kings. Yes, uh, that's why they won. You know, and and we don't have to get into that now, uh, obviously. But it's not because that they were more physical than the Kings. They're much less physical than the Kings. Uh, the yeah. one game in that series they lost was because Justin Braun chased a hit instead of making a play on the puck. Yeah, and the Kings yeah. got an odd man rush in overtime and scored an overtime winning goal. That's the yeah. only game they lost in that series was because they tried to be physical instead of playing hockey. Yeah. That's it. That's the I, difference I, I, between yeah, sweeping think, the Kings and not sweeping it. That's it. I mean, the reason they beat the Blues and the reason they beat the Kings is because they skated, like you said, they skated circles around those teams. They, like, they were ferocious on the forecheck. They pressured relentlessly. And, you know, they couldn't really they couldn't really they neither team could cope with the with the shark skating ability and then they ran into a team that did the same to them what they were doing to those other teams so yeah I, and that's why they struggle with nashville's because nashville's a fast team exactly um so you know it's it's going to be interesting i yeah I, I i think this this does a little bit fly in the face of what they said during the summer but you know if nieto does clear waivers um you know and he's with the barracuda he'll still be there uh you know you who knows? A lot can happen during the season. I, I could absolutely see if he gets if he clears, especially because there's no reentry waivers. Uh, he could get another shot uh, with the team. Uh, I don't, but I think that's unlikely. I don't think it's uh, unrealistic. I think it, it's unlikely. But you know, injuries can happen, and as we've as we've seen, you know, from the from the recent injuries to the defense, uh, a guy can get an opportunity very quickly when it when you go from healthy to not healthy and a matter of one game. And, you know, that guy who got that latest opportunity was Mirko Mueller, who debuted in his, uh, made his season debut last night. You and I were talking about it a little bit before the show. How do you think uh, Mueller looked last night? 
Um, I think it's kind of interesting. He, so he only played, I think it was nine minutes. I don't think he played at all in the third period. And I think that, I think not great. Um, I know his Corsi numbers were okay. Uh, he was a minus two and his Fenwick numbers were pretty bad. To me, um, and I know you touched on the fact that he looked a little more confident while he had the puck. The the biggest, the, the, the play that stuck out the most to me play uh in the sharks defensive zone where drew dowdy just walked in on martin jones and the biggest problem to me and that's with mirko mueller on the ice the problem to me there is that it's not that drew dowdy is a guy who's not capable of making a play like that it's that that's not part of dowdy's game he's very much uh you know he's not a guy that goes deep into the offensive zone because you know that's just not not his game and that the, the fact that he makes a play like that is because him to make that play he's giving up so much space that Dowdy says okay play because this defenseman is is so timid that I'm going to go and do it and to me that that's a sign that Mueller still isn't taking charge enough in his own end to the point where he's uh you know uh kind of asserting himself to the point where where he's taking charge of of the of his own end of the ice and that to me was a little bit disappointing um, I think overall he was in kind of a tough position, obviously, but I wasn't really all that impressed either. Uh, certainly not to the point where I'd be like, where I would would say, "Oh, hey, this is the guy that should stick around instead of Dylan DeMello." Right? Yeah, I, I uh, think, that's certainly not that. Um, yeah, I think the confidence thing is a big, uh, the t- timidity, uh, timidness, timidity, whatever the noun form of timid is. Um, timidness. Timidness. Yes, it was evident uh, also when. Uh, Anze Kopitar like, gathered, the, like, stole the puck from him on the, uh, you know, on the boards. Uh, Mueller kind of went in timidly to the puck, and and Kopitar grabbed it and got a shot on net. And uh, you know, Mueller was able to mitigate the shot and had a stick on him and made sure that he didn't get as good of a shot as maybe he would have. Um, but yeah, he, uh, I agree with that. I'm looking up his ice time right now. He actually played uh, five. 12 minutes and 10 seconds, five on five. Okay. Okay. And I know that that was quite a bit fewer though than uh, the next highest uh, defenseman, which was, was that 19 minutes then? Was uh, the second DeMello highest? was 13.25. The next highest head of DeMello, five on five, was Brendan Dillon, who played 16 minutes. At, uh, at all strength slots. And I was looking on uh, hockeyviz.com at the end of the, at the end of oh, the okay. game. I'm looking on, I'm just looking at five on five. I'm on natural stat trick right now. Uh, I don't think Mueller got any uh, – Mueller did not play a time. minute of special teams. Yeah, Mueller played 12 minutes and 15 seconds okay. last night. Uh, the next highest defenseman, DeMello, you were right. He played 18.43. Okay, that, that's what I was looking at. Okay, fair enough. Right, that, yeah, that, that, that was the discrepancy. Yeah, there you go. Right. So I, go. Uh, I did think, though, in um, – yeah, I think uh, I wasn't very impressed with Mueller. I think he was okay, but still got to see more. And I, I just, you know – I, I don't know how much more he's going to get. You know, that's really the right. biggest thing. I guess we don't know. He hasn't exactly earned another game if somebody else is healthy. That's for sure. No, I agree. I agree with that for sure. Someone who played well last night, at least visually, uh, I took note. I thought Justin Braun had a pretty good game. Uh, I thought he um, he was mm-hmm. very active offensively when he needed to be. Like he was jumping up a lot more, especially early in the game. He was pinching and uh, kind of keep trying to keep plays alive. He you know, he had a shot on goal where he got, uh, got he was deep in the zone. I think he actually led the Sharks in shots on goal after the first period. Um, 
you know, you don't, we don't always see his offensive instincts, I think, because he's not always asked to, uh, you know, even when he's, when he's playing with Vlasic, they don't really play that game, but you know, when he was playing with Brendan Dillon, uh, he adapted, you know, he's a, he's a guy who I, I kind of wonder why he hasn't gotten a longer look on the power play with DeBoer. Um, I remember he played a little bit of power play when Todd McClellan was here and I always thought he had a good, he had a good shot, was able to get it through, uh, get it through defenders. Um, and then I thought he played pretty well. Uh, the Sharks though, like you said, it wasn't really a, they didn't really play very well. It was very similar to the, the last game in Los Angeles. The difference being that, you know, Martin Jones was absolutely on fire last night and stood on his head. I think, you know, he's as big a reason as any why they, they got a point, a point. And, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit before the show, the Sharks shortened their bench last night. He didn't see Michael Haley in the third period. Bodker played briefly on the uh, power play. And I think Carlson may have gotten a sh- couple shifts, but he definitely shortened the bench. Um, and he mixed up the lines. The line we expected to see out of training camp, Timo Meyer playing with Joes, Thornton, and Pavelski uh, finally happened. Uh, what did you make of uh, Timo time on the top line? Uh, I, I thought it was fine. I, I don't think that that's a, a good. I, I don't like the idea of making that line a thing going forward because I still think playing Marlowe with the Joes is a is the most efficient way to play the Sharks going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good line because I think Timo with the Joes looks great. Yeah, it looks great. But it's Timo looks so good no matter who he's playing with right now. I think he's looked great where he's been. And I think Marlowe's looked great with the Joes. So I, don't, I think last night is fine. And I have uh, no, I think Pete has really done a great job mixing up the lines in game. I think that's a strength of his. I really yes. do. Really loved about Pete is that he's done a great job of not, not, he's got a good a short memory. Like we're not going to yeah. see that to start the next game. He's going to go right back to what has worked the whole season. He's not going to take that small sample size yeah. thing. With that. He's going to be like, okay, hey, that's what we were trying to make work for this one game. And hey, starting next game, we're going to go back to what's worked all year next game these new opportunities give us and i i really really like that about pete it's one of my favorite things about him as a coach it's the opposite of you know what todd mcclellan did mcclellan would mix <laughs> yes. up the lines when the sharks weren't playing fall well in love with them. yeah and then yeah. he'd stick with those lines uh going forward through games yeah i i agree um you know there's been some calls i've seen to to remove marlowe from the top line but I, I think that like i said i think that maximizes the efficiency of the lineup um I think Thornton has had a drop-off in points regardless. Um, Pavelski is right around where he usually is points-wise. He's not scoring as many goals, but um, he's getting a lot more. Uh, yeah. What's up? Yeah, yeah, he's been incredible. Yeah, so that's he's – Yeah, no, he's, he's still great. Um, I think Thornton, you're seeing the age. And, you know, I I think Marlowe's played well with them. And like you said, I think it maximizes the uh, efficiency of the lineup. That being said, uh, if – if they go with Marlowe playing with Tierney on Tierney's wing, I, I don't mind that. Um, I, I think I, I think really, when Hurdle comes back, maybe if we see a change, I wouldn't hate that. A Hurdle with Marlowe? I don't. Right. If we, if we do that, then, then we're talking about something. But I think until then, I think it's less great. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I just I, feel like that's a bigger play than it would be to put on, on Hurdle. I think Hurdle and Marlowe look a lot better together than Tierney and Marlowe. So that, oh, that, that's all. That's, that's my Marlo, I think, uh, you know, they weren't scoring a lot, but uh, I thought they looked but great I thought they together. Looked 
Right. I think so too. And I think if you, if you wait it out and you do that, then, then we're talking about something. I mean, I I think, you know, their, their depth is, you know, if, if, I mean, if you're, if you're top line, you know, when they come back, that's the amazing thing to think about is how well they've played without hurdle. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Hurdle comes back. All of a sudden he's your third line center. If, if if that's what they go with, because they could put hurdle on the top line wing. Um, Tierney certainly played well as a third line center, but if that's your depth down the middle and, I think they're they're now able to do that more because of how well Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc have played. I think if those yep. guys weren't here, there's a good chance we'd still see Tomas Hurdle on the wing because they need they'd really be lacking you know a scoring punch on the wing. But uh, you know Meyer and LeBanc uh, they continue to impress, and I I do not see either of them, especially with today's move of waving Nieto. I don't think there's a chance either of them get sent down anytime soon. About if uh, Hurdle, your center depth is a uh, Thornton, Couture, Hurdle, Tierney. You can make a pretty good argument for the best center depth in the NHL. Oh, That's absolutely, pretty close. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I maybe Pittsburgh, maybe, but you know, right. I, I think, but I think Tierney's better than I don't know. Is it Matt Cullen who's the Penguins' fourth line center? I think, I think so. Yeah, I, you know, I. It, it's those two for me and pretty much everybody else in the league down the right. middle. Uh, that's pretty – and I really liked how – I was going to talk about Kevin LeBanc. I thought he had a great game last night. I also thought Domskoy had a great game last night. I know Domskoy was one of the, a few guys with a positive possession game. Um, against the Kings, I'm not even looking for guys to have a positive possession game necessarily. It's other things because the Kings are the best possession team in the league usually. Uh, yeah. So it's not necessarily that that I'm looking for. Uh, they're going to match him toe-to-toe or close, though. And it was close by the end. Um, I think it was like 52-48 and score adjusted Fenwick. Uh, uh, but I thought they played great. And LeBanc continues to just look so – he just looks so good out there and so confident on the puck. He's just the right plays in the offensive zone. He knows when to shoot the puck. I know he had that one play in overtime where the puck jump, jumps over his stick, but luck and crappy SAP center ice. And that's just, you know, maybe that's a play where now in the future he knows, hey, that's a play I got to put my whole body behind the puck. But Exactly. You know. It's a learning experience. He's a rookie. It's three on three overtime. I, you know. That, that stuff's going to happen. And I certainly am not going to, you know, break him over the coals for something like that. Yeah. You know, if, if that was a five on five turnover, I think you're then like, okay, but it's three on three. Um, yeah. And I, I, <laughs> That's I what the format's game, designed but, to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, that pass. There's no Zamboni scrape after, after, before three on three. It should also be, you know, there's not, nothing going on there. That, that ice there is. Oh, it's yeah. even worse than usual, San Jose Ice. We should note. Well, I I think you know I I wonder if that's because the Barracuda are playing there too. I'm not an ice expert. I'd imagine that has something to do with it. Um, we have a social experiment. What if we can make the ice in San Jose even worse? Yeah. Uh, I think I think Lebank. No, I agree with you. He had a really good game last night. I mean that is <laughs> the that assist encapsulates uh, how well he's played all year and what he brings and how he's not your typical rookie because. You know, I think if he's uh, if he's less confident, he probably doesn't even look – if he doesn't have that same offensive IQ, he's probably not even looking for Couture cutting. He's probably just dumping the puck in or, you know, trying to work the puck back to the defenseman. But that was a very smart play, a very savvy pass. Um, 
yeah, he's for me, he's I think even more so than Timo. Uh, and that's just because we've seen less of Timo, although I think Timo's played uh, very well. LeBanc, I think, has firmly established himself uh, on this roster. And, uh, you know, I going into training camp, I absolutely did not see that coming. I knew he was a prolific scorer, but I didn't know much else about him. And then, you know, seeing him play in the preseason, you're like, okay, this guy, this guy is very good. Uh, and it's only a matter of time before right. he plays uh, in the NHL. And he's, he's made the most of his opportunity. And that's, you know, I think it's very encouraging for the Sharks too, in the sense that, all right, if, you know, LeBanks made the most of his opportunity, Meyer has, they've got other guys who are knocking on the door and, you know, they, those two seem to have been very well prepared by the coaching staff in the AHL. So it, it gives hope too that the other prospects, if given an opportunity, will be able to grab the bull by the horns. Yeah, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on there. One, uh, these are a couple of stories that I'd like us to try to get after at some point. One, I'd really like to uh, to pick well, get Kachur's brain at some point about what he thinks about LeBanc because I see some similarities there. And that when Kachur came up, um, obviously Kachur a much more hyped prospect, but you see some similarities just in there you know, the hockey IQ type thing. And, you know, I know we expected that from Couture right when he came up, but just the, the tenacity and the, the, the smarts of to, to know how, what kind of hockey plays to make when you have the puck, to know where to look to make passes, that kind of thing. I'd be curious to ask Couture, since he gets to play with LeBanc a lot, if he sees any similarities between the two of them when Couture first came up. And if that... Yeah. You know, I assume that he enjoys taking kind of a mentory type role with LeBanc. You know, I know it's a guy that really wants to be a leader on this team. And if he enjoys getting that responsibility, even though he's not wearing the C. The thing, too, is I feel like now that we get, you know, Roy Sommer so close to us. Uh, and quite frankly, it's a guy that has not gotten a great rap among San Jose fans for. Um, and I think probably now that we're seeing some of this stuff, probably pretty unfairly, I'd really like to sit down with that guy and kind of pick his brain about what many years have been like and working with some of these guys. And if it feels good to see, you know, see some of these guys he's actually had a chance to work with, you know, what it feels like to see some of them actually get some, get a chance to get some success. Cause I imagine he's enjoying this. Just, you know, Kevin LeBanc is right now. This must be pretty sweet for him. I think uh, I think the the thing with Sommer, uh, the criticism, and I, at least for me, it might speak to my lack of understanding of, you know, AHL development. Is you know, you see a guy like Couture, you see the guys that get called up really don't spend a lot of time with him, uh, and I I right. think maybe we've taken that the wrong way instead of that being a reflection on his coaching and that oh these guys were already ready, you know. It could be that they went to him, they got the little bit of seasoning they needed, and now they're ready. Um, and it could be more of a reflection on the prospects. The other prospects the Sharks have drafted who have spent time with him, more time with him, that maybe haven't been ready. Um, yeah, I, I think right. uh, he's, def he's definitely gotten a bad rap. And I, I, but I also think, I mean, you see – I mean, just seeing how well the Barracuda have played this year, it's clear that the Sharks have never had prospect depth like this. Like even re even you know they, I think that's the biggest thing, and you know they they made the playoffs in I think oh eight oh nine Worcester made the playoffs and I'm not sure if they made the playoffs other than that maybe once, and you know those times those teams were pretty heavy on some veteran uh, AHL guys some of those veteran AHL guys were playing really big roles 
other than, you know, maybe a Dan Kelly, I don't really think the Barracuda are getting that. Uh, they're getting a, contributions from guys who are trying to establish themselves as NHLers. And whether they do that in San Jose or they do that in another place, it looks likely that a lot of these guys are going to get shots to play um, in the NHL. So I think, I think you know, Summer, Summer, I don't think we've given enough credit to, uh, at least I haven't, to how shorthanded he's been and how little he's had around him. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the Sharks have been happy with how he's doing because he's been there for so long. Right, so. absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've uh, covered the past couple of days pretty well. All right, so the Sharks got a game on Thursday, then another one on Saturday. They're hoping to have Vlasic back by Saturday. We still don't know really um, – you know, hopefully we'll get some kind of an update today and then, you know, maybe he'll be back tomorrow. Maybe it'll be longer. So and that along Demel or uh, Mueller is, is up with the team. Uh, and then we'll keep you posted on the Matt Nieto situation as well. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, we've got Fear the Fin Night that's coming up. You can still buy tickets to that. That's on January 14th. That's against the St. Louis Blues. We've got a link to that on our website, of course. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Sundstrom, Marcus P. White. Follow us on Twitter at FearTheFin. And, uh, yeah, you can email us at feargmail.com if you've got any questions, comments, and orders. Got anything else, Marcus, or are we good? Very excited to see uh, the Sharks play Minnesota tomorrow night. Uh, Minnesota, other than losing to Columbus in their last game, is the hottest team in the NHL behind Minnesota. Uh, very excited to see that Bruce Boudreau coach team uh, cover the SAP Center tomorrow. Now, it feels like that used to be for a couple of years was like the X-Sharks versus the X-Wild, and now it's just kind of just the – It's really, yeah, it's just really a just normal old from the Burns trade, right? It's just Coyle and uh, – it's just Coyle versus Burns. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, good old Charlie Coyle. So we'll get to see what uh, what he's up to these days. Maybe we'll uh, write a little bit of a post on Charlie Coyle and what he's up to. Very well could. Who knows? Guys later. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.